0: There are those who testify that they belong to Christ and they do so because they belong to a church. They testify, I belong to Christ cause I belong to church. That don't make it work for you just because you belong to a church. If he's not living in you, you don't belong to him. There are others who said, you know, I've been baptized and I belong to Christ, but being baptized don't make you belong to him. He needs to be living on the inside of you. The hymn writer says, what a wonderful change and my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, there is a change. The Holy Spirit come and take up residence on the inside of every believer who will guide our lives and govern our lives. Join us today as we share the message of how our lives should change and should reflect the governance and the control of the Holy Spirit In each of us. Come and go with me as we walk in the light of God's Word. From time to time, we will see a failing business, and that business will have a clearance sale. But before they actually close the business, perhaps someone will come and decide they want to buy that business. And when you buy a business that is declining or is failing, and you think you can turn it around, one of the first things you will do is you will let the public know. That that business is under new management. You have seen those signs? Under new management. What are you saying? Uh, The old management is not here and we're doing something different, hopefully something better. We are retooling, revamping, and we're coming out again. Those who have given their lives to Christ have changed their directions and are living under new management. There may be some things that were going on in your life. In fact, there were things that were going on in your life before you got saved, and you were going in a specific direction before you were saved. Now that you are saved, you are under a new management. Paul, the apostle, talked about that concept in the book of Romans chapter 6. We want to continue on that theme because it's important to realize that there is a difference between... Those who are saved and those who are unsaved. And the difference is that you are under new management. I'm going to read a lengthy passage as we look at the second half of this chapter in Romans chapter 6 verse 15 through 23. Paul again asking this rhetorical question. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace by no means? Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 19. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, You were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefits you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In that passage, you'll see a recurring theme, that theme of slavery and bondage. And he makes a contrast and comparison through this portion of the scripture. There is being a slave and being free. There is the bondage to sin and there is righteousness there is death and there is eternal life. So as he continues, Paul continues his discourse on past enslavement to sin and then reminds them of their new enslavement to righteousness when they put their trust in Jesus Christ. And he shares a very important point in chapter 6 verse 15 through 23 which is that believers in Christ should live in total subjection and under the authority of Christ and his righteousness and then not fall back into your former sins, which no longer have a claim on you. Once you come and you start living for Christ, he wants you to continue to grow in righteousness and don't go back and put yourself under the bondage of sin again. Because the Christian has a new relationship with God. He also has a new relationship to sin. You had an intimate relationship with sin before you were saved. You will have a new relationship to sin after you were saved, and that is a divorce. Some of y'all know how you felt when you got divorced. You didn't want anything to do with that person. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. Ooh, I can't stand him. That's the way it should be when you come to God in your relationship to sin. I don't want to see it. I can't stand that. Tell sin, don't even call me. Please, don't even try to come over because ain't nothing here for you. You have a relationship, but it's a new one and it's a different one. I got somebody new, that's Jesus. For the first time, once a believer gets saved, he is able not to live sinfully and he's also able for the first time to live righteously. Before you're saved, you don't even have the ability or the capacity to live a sin-free life. But once you come to the Lord, you have the ability to live righteously. And Paul continued hammering this point on because this is the essential point that believers need to know before they get too far down the line. I want you to know it's a simple proposition. It's not righteous. It's not rocket science. Either you belong to the Lord or you belong to the devil. And as Paul is teaching this now, he's teaching this to this, this new church, this relatively new church in the New Testament in Rome. And the church has uh, Jewish believers and it also has Gentile believers believers. And one group become an antagonist to Paul when they're when he's teaching them. You know, you always got some folks that want to listen to everything you say and try to turn it around and try to make something out of it. And, and you know, you got folks that have come to the church and, and they know so much about the Lord. They, they want to examine every word you say to see if, if your exegesis is correct. What do you think about this? What is your doctrinal point on that? And all of these kind of things. And they're just trying to find out where you're wrong. They don't plan on getting right. They're just trying to find out where you're wrong. Paul had the same thing. One group of antagonists would surmise after Paul would say that God's grace keeps forgiving and forgiving. They would say if the law no longer needs to be obeyed and if God's grace covers all sin, then you're saying believers are free to do as they please? The Jewish legalists, on the other hand, believed that obedience to God's law was the only way to salvation, and to them, Paul was preaching a righteousness out of one side of his mouth and then giving a license to sin out of the other side of his mouth. Oh, you're giving people a license to sin. Paul said, no, 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 I'm not giving anybody a license to sin. I'm just telling them how grace is. There's grace and there's the law. The law is the speed limit sign on the freeway. See, the speed limit sign don't stop anybody from speeding. You know that. Very few of you go 60 on 59. That's the law. It don't stop you. You know what'll stop you? And they don't have to say anything. If there's a policeman sitting on the side, he don't have to say nothing. He could be talking on the phone and not even paying attention. Everybody's slowing down. That's Grace. See, when you got grace, you don't even worry about what the signs say. You just do what's right. (laughs) Paul said, this is grace out of the heart. And when you have the Lord in your heart, you got the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit governs and keeps you doing what's right. You don't have to look at what the signs say. That was Paul's point. The law never made anybody do right. They just did it when folks were watching and all that kind of thing. But it didn't make them do. Paul addressed this issue of grace in the first half of chapter 6. We looked at that last time. But because of the misunderstanding, and that misunderstanding was so common, and the issue was so critical, he gives the answer again, beginning at verse 15. He covers the same theme again, generally. And in verse 15, he says, So what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul is telling us in relations to God's will, a saved person has but two choices, either to sin, which is to disobey God, or obedience to him. A saved person can willfully disobey God, but it is a person's pattern of living that proves who his master is. It's not what you say. It is not your coming to the altar and say, I want to give my heart to God and my hand to the preacher, and I want to be baptized. That does not save you. It is your pattern of living, how you live, how you walk, how you practice that determines who your master is. There's only two masters. See, if his life, if a person's life is characterized by sin, then sin is his master. You're a slave to sin. That's what Paul says. You're slave to sin. If your life is characterized by obedience to Christ, by yielding to his will, then God is your master. And you're his slave. We don't like that word slave, do we? That means they tell us what to do. They tell us we don't have any, any say-so in our life. We don't like that word. Black folk don't like that word. I don't want to be nobody's slave. Well, Paul said you are whether you want to be or not. So how many of you ever say, Lord, your will be done? A few of you? What the rest of y'all say? How many say, Lord, your will be done? Guess what a slave say? Your will be done. Lord, anything you want me to do, I'll do it. Guess what a slave say? Anything you want me to do, I'll do it. Y'all don't want to be a slave. Wait till you get to the big house in heaven. You're going to say, Lord, I was glad I was a slave. (laughs) In my father's house are many mansions. You know, I'm a house Negro. (laughs) I'll tell you that in a minute. See, there's no alternative. There's no neutral ground. It's it's not a gray area. It's, It's just this or that. Paul is saying either you are a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. All men are either mastered by sin, which is to say they are under the lordship of Satan, or they are mastered by righteousness, which means you are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. When we get saved, we said, I gave my life to the Lord. I gave my life to the Lord so he can do whatever he wants to with my life. That's what it means to be saved. I gave my life to the Lord. My life doesn't belong. Jesus said, you you are no longer your own. You were bought with a price. That's what he said, right? You're not, you don't belong to yourself. You're bought with a price. Many people resist the call of the Lord because they're afraid of giving, having to give up their freedom. I don't want to give my life to the Lord. I, I, I want to still run my own life. But actually, you don't even have a freedom to lose. The unsaved person is not free to do good or evil as he chooses. You can't decide you're going to be righteous or unrighteous whenever you decide. You're going to either be bound enslaved to sin and the only thing you can do is sin when you're enslaved to it your only choice is how much I'm going to sin when I'm going to do it and how I'm going to do it how I'm going to do my thing people say it's my thing if it's your thing you're probably under the lordship of Satan his thing and your thing is the same thing I run my own life no you don't run your own life see a person cannot have two different and opposing natures at the same time. You can't live in two spiritual worlds at the same time. Jesus said there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. There's no great kingdom. You're either in darkness or you are in light. You're either a slave to sin, which he is by your natural birth. You were born in sin. Or you're a slave to righteousness by your spiritual birth in Christ Jesus. In verse 17, he says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be, now he's talking to believers, though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and you've been set free. Somebody say free. Free. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness and we mentioned last time that when you give your life to Christ when you come to him and accept him as your Lord there's two things that happen God surgically breaks the tie and the bondage and the chain of sin and control in your life he breaks that he cuts that cord where sin can no longer control you and then he does something else he imparts his Holy Spirit into you to help guide and guard and govern your life That's what happened when you get saved. He breaks, and then he imparts something into your life. He takes it loose, and then he hooks you up with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your helper to help you in your battle against the sinful nature that still resides in you. I say God disconnects it, but it doesn't take it out. And the Holy Spirit comes in, and he helps you. He helps you when you want to be helped. So when you say no to unrighteousness and you say no to ungodliness, that's when the Holy Spirit rises up alongside of you and he'll tell the devil. Didn't you hear what he said? He said no. So get on back. The problem is a lot of believers don't say no. They say, oh, the Lord know my heart. <laughs> they say, the Lord will forgive you, won't he? And I said the other evening when I was talking to a group, I'm saying, you know, some people Plan. To do things with the idea that they're going to ask for forgiveness later. So they got forgiveness in the plan. Because they know how good God is. But you're just putting in some hours for your wages. We'll talk about what you get paid later. So in other words, the unregenerate, unsaved person is under the continuous, unbroken slavery of sin. And the Lord comes and breaks that. And you can't, when you're unsaved, you can't make yourself right. And you're not, you can't be good enough. You can't be moral enough. You can't be upright enough. So that you come off from under the bondage of sin on your own. Psalm chapter 14 verse 2 and 3 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Jesus said there is no one good but God. You're not good on your own. You might try to act good for a while, but sin is the air that you breathe. and It is your very life when you're a sinner. Doing good is like holding your breath. You can just do good for so long. So a person whose heart has not been changed, has not been saved. When you are saved, your heart gets changed. And that righteous living can only come from an obedient heart and a desire to live right. See, when you get saved, you have another desire. You have a desire for the things of God. You have a desire for the word of God. You have a desire to walk upright before God. You have a desire to be obedient to God. And there's no saving faith in God apart from obedience to God. You can't come to Christ and you can't claim to be a Christian by just claiming the name of God. And then believing and doing whatever you want to do. It didn't work that way. I'm a Christian. And then living any kind of way. So there are going to be a lot of Christians that's going to go to hell. Because they're not saved. When you use Christians just as a label. I'm a Christian. With the number of Christians we have in this country. number of people who say they are. If, now if Christians were Righteous. A whole lot of things going on in our country would change overnight. If the Christians would start living holy. If the Christians Christians would start living righteous. If the Christians would stop buying all that alcohol. If the Christians would stop smoking that dope. If the Christians would stop buying pornography. If the... If the Christians would start living right things would change overnight. A lot of folk would go out of business. Those who say they were Christians. You cannot become a Christian by merely saying and doing certain things. But after a genuine salvation experience, something's going to change in your life. You will have a spirit-led desire to know and to obey the word of God. I want to know God. I want to know him. I just met him. You have a new relationship. Our relationship to Christ, you know, I talked about we having a new relationship with sin as a divorcee. With sin, and so we don't want to deal with that. When we come to know God, it's just like you're coming to meet a new lover. You want to know that person. You want to get to know them. You wanna you wanna spend some time with them. You wanna know what they think. You wanna know what they like. You wanna know, you know, what do you like to eat? You see, the woman wanna know what you like to eat. She don't even know how to cook, but she's gonna get her a little cookbook, try to find out what that was. Call her mama, you know how to make porcupines. Because you're trying to get to know that person. And when you get saved, you want to get to know the Lord. You don't come to church just because it's Sunday. You want to know him so much, you'll come to Bible study. You want to know him so much, you'll come to prayer meeting. You want to know him so much, you'll read your Bible on your own during the week. And not only will you read, you'll start meditating on the word. You see, when I got saved, you know, I, I used to listen to all the, you know, I was Magic 102 when it first came out. I remember when they first started playing that, that's a new radio station, Magic 102. <laughs> but when I got saved, nobody had to say, you know, you don't have to stop listening to that. There was some other stuff that I wanted to hear even more than I wanted to hear that. Right, I wanted to hear some Christian music. I wanted to hear some, some music that was edifying and building up and strengthening me in the word and in my meditation. So there was something else that replaced that because it became more of a priority for me. And the more you start operating in the things of righteousness, the other stuff just die out. If you want sin to die out, just quit feeding it and you feed the things of God, it begin to grow in your life because you'll have a new appetite. If your appetite is the same, you probably didn't get saved because you can't eat the same stuff. You want to come to know him. Then you want to obey him. And when you read the word of God and there's something that's in the word that challenges you, you say, well, you know, I wasn't doing it. I need to start straightening that out in my life because, you know, I, the, the word of God brought light to a situation in my life. I need to fix that. If I'm going to be pleasing to God. That's when you are interested in righteousness. Paul says, you're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave unto Righteousness. Now, I understand that although in the inner person of a believer has been transformed into the likeness of Christ, the outer person represented by the flesh is still subject to influences and the activity of sin. You know, we we're still are subject to that. But we don't have to be bound by that and ruled by that. Verse 19, Paul says this I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, you're weak in your flesh. Paul said, in in my flesh dwells no good thing. I'm weak in my flesh. I'm weak in my natural abilities. I understand that. But he said, this is what you do. You know how you used to offer your bodies, the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever increasing wickedness? You know how you used to go to the club and just party and dance and do all the boom, shaka, laka, laka, laka? He said, don't offer it to that. Just take your body over to church and worship with it. You know how you used to raise your hand like you just don't care? Bring it over to church and raise it again like you just don't care unto God. He didn't tell you to stop raising your hand. He just said whatever you were doing with it over here, stop doing it in sin and come over here to God and start offering it to God. We have just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are people who've never heard the good news that Jesus Christ came to give sinful people a new life and an eternal life. I don't know where you are. You may be just passing through the radio programs and I want you to know Jesus Christ came to seek and to save those who were lost. He brought hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, It only takes a moment for you to turn your life and your heart toward Him and ask Him to come into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. He will do for you what He's done for many of us. He will change our lives and give us a new start. If you would like to listen to today's message in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily, Jerry G. Martin. You can hear today's message and previous messages that you may have enjoyed, and you can share them with family and friends. I invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. We meet each Sunday at 16161 Old Humble Road. Come and be our guest 10 o'clock Sundays at 16161 Old Humble Road. You can join us and enjoy our online service at LOWCF.com. Dot O-R-G. Again, that's L-O-W-C-F dot O-R-G. We have the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus where you can get books, Bibles, church supplies, or communion supplies. Call us at The Beacon, 281-441-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885